dulcet tones of our voices. That's so beautiful. Um, maybe I should just leave that in and say welcome to Book Squad Goals. You may recognize a mysterious voice yeah. amongst us. Who's got the most serious voice amongst us? There's the fungus wow. amongst us. He's got a funny voice. Uh, <laughs> I was starting the show. Yep, we're leaving. That's that Susan. Um, she's here. Uh, she's back. Just kidding. Uh, Susan's not here, obviously, because she's still not on other episodes because she still has a child. But we are joined by. What kind of mother would be on a podcast when she could be taking care of her child? Oh, great Sorry. question. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we have a special guest here um, to talk to us, and that special guest is Clay McLeod Chapman, returning guest, <laughs> author of the wonderful new book, What Kind of Mother, and also Ghost Eaters and the remaking. We have had him on several times before, and we're so glad to have him back. Hi, Clay. Yeah, hey, hey, Thank you for oh, being here. Yeah. <laughs> we're back. Back in the um, <laughs> Before we discuss and uh, interview Clay about his book, we are going to be talking about um, the film What Josiah Saw. If you haven't heard of this movie, you aren't alone. I think a lot of people haven't. But it it does come up when you search things like um, Bayou Horror, Louisiana Horror, Southern Horror, Southern Gothic Horror. Um, And that was how we came across it. Uh, And we watched it. So we're going to talk about it. I, you know, I honestly wonder if anyone watched it because no one asked me for my Shutter password. <laughs> I, I actually just um, bought, rented it on um, Amazon because I didn't want to watch commercials. Apparently, so yeah. Apparently, I have AMC Plus. I didn't realize oh, I was oh, paying oh. for that, but it's on AMC Plus for those of you who are un, unknowing. You know, for I will say also, if you have Shutter. It's a good time to have it because Dragula is about to start back up. Wow. Mm. Well, I don't have Shudder. I can't mm. recommend that enough. Um, for right. our intro question, which is related to the film, um, what is a piece of media you enjoy that many other people find extremely slash unbearably depressing? <laughs> oh my gosh, so many things. I knew I this would be an easy question for Emily, especially. No, it's really hard because I love depressing things. Oh my gosh. There's so many depressing things to pick from. I love depressing things. It's my favorite genre. So I'm going to let everyone else go first, and then whatever you guys don't pick, I'll pick. All right. Um, Clay, do you have an answer as our guest? I mean, I, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it, I, I love this, but the, this is the first thing that popped into my head and I don't think it's a fair answer, uh, because I think a lot of other people do love this. Um, but did you ever read, uh, this thing between us by Gus Moreno? No, but I remember seeing the cover. Oh my gosh. Cool. I really want, I, I feel like the last time you came on the podcast, you were reading Oh my it. God. So I'm just repeating myself. Yeah. I, I'm like, no, no, but you were, you hadn't finished. So now we're getting, you're recording back. <laughs> so, this is all planned. Uh, I was telling you what I was reading last time and now I finally finished it a year later. And it's really sad. Um, this thing between us. Oh my God. It is, I mean, Ostensibly, on its surface, it is about a haunted Alexa. Um, but 
I'm in. Oh my god, but it's yeah, so it's much so more. Sad. It's so sad. It's so sad. Tonight's gonna be like we're gonna sugarcoat all of our sadness with silly voices because there's nothing but <laughs> bayou depression depressing. coming from the the media that we're in. Yes. That's the title of this episode, Bayou Depression. Bayou. We've already figured it out. Born in the bayou. Born in the bayou. I'm glad we've got you for the for the singing. Um, yeah, usually I'm a musical singing, episode, yeah. but it's not as 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 fun. Um, I've got one. I also enjoy a lot of depressing, sad media. However, I will share one that I imprinted on in high school. Mm. I imprinted on the movie Hero, which is a Wuxia romantic history movie. And it has Jet Li in it, maybe? It's kind of a who's who of um, martial arts stars, mm-hmm. but it is sort of like a historical Chinese romance action film. But it's so sad. It's like everyone dies, everyone's in love, but they can't be together. And you know, we've got people working out their romantic feelings for each other while they're doing these crouching tiger, hidden dragon style, big dramatic, you know air stunts and it's really beautiful um but i probably a couple years ago watched it with todd and he said that was really sad why did you love it so much when you were in high school (laughs) it's just it doesn't have a happy ending it's just kind of a bummer yeah well i've never heard of that but But it's really pretty uh fun Sounds like a good time. Fun. Also, like, how did I in rural Georgia find and watch this movie? Yeah, where it, did you get it, it at Blockbuster? You. I had a DVD of it. I don't know. Was it post Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? It had to be, right? I think it was. It was sort of in the in that genre. Yeah. I mean, it seems like. You know, after the success of that, all the, you know, the blockbusters were kind of flooded with, you know, movies that are kind of like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. But we didn't have a blockbuster. What? Where did you, what did you do? How did you, did you buy it at Walmart or something? Like, (laughs) maybe. Yeah. It's very, it's very possible. My dad was just like, this is like one of those animes (laughs) you like. Thank God. It was on Cartoon Network. (laughs) <laughs> it's not animated but you know I don't well know. sticking with the theme anyway it's good and i recommend it to everyone um speaking of anime i'm gonna go ahead and say because i also have a lot of answers to this question but i'm gonna and this is like not something that, that like people love this so i'm not unique in this but attack on titan is a very very depressing show um it is one of the more uh, bleak animes I have watched in that like the moments of of humor and comedy are few and far between and also yeah. if you google it you can find several different um, compilations of people saying this world is cruel so <laughs> um, that's kind of the vibe of the show it's just really it's just really um, kind of a bummer but I do love it so mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say Evangelion. No. Um, 
I do love that too. That would be my pick because I love it. Yeah. But that's not going to be what I say. But because I'm actually going to follow the prompt that Kelly said that the other people don't well it's hard okay well it's hard because it's like if you (laughs) if you manage to find a piece of media that means that like other people also liked it so yeah it made its way to you but Mm -hmm. you know um where do I begin this is Emily um I think I think a big one for me that people often it's people like it but people often ask me, how have you watched this multiple times? Mm-hmm. Like, I, would, I never want to watch this again. Um, and that is Requiem for a Dream. Oh. Wow. Yeah, I can, I'm never watching that again. I watched it in high school. Yeah. And, and it, I still remember Like, that's it. how most, I'm like, like, you know, I've, excuse me, Remy, do you have something you want to say to the, everybody? You, do you also like Requiem for a Dream? Requiem for a Dream. Taron Aronofsky is my favorite filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, I will say too, like my my dad, because I like Darren Aronofsky in general, and my dad hates him and is always like, I can't believe you like Darren Aronofsky movies; they're terrible. Did you like Mother? Um, um, I enjoyed Mother, but I will never watch that one again because, like, literally, my nightmare is having people over and them not leaving my house. Yeah. So I (laughs) legitimately had a a small panic attack after seeing that movie. Yeah. Requiem for a Dream is good. It is just uh, stressful. Yeah. Mother is stressful. And I don't know that I like it. But Requiem for a Dream is more depressing, I would say. And Mother is like anxiety inducing and stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Exactly. I just also just brief honorable mention to Earthlings by Sayaka Murata because oh, yeah. I feel like that's one of those books that I like really enjoyed, but like you have to have a special kind of tolerance for disturbing material to read that. Yeah. Um, but I think we all pretty much we liked, liked it when it. we did it for the podcast. Yeah. Cause that one also was that's like kind of funny in some ways. Um, Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. It was like it was like kind of quirky and funny, but it was like very disturbing, obviously. Um but I remember finding it like amusing. Whereas I don't know, something like what we're about to talk about, amusing is not the word that I would use. Um (laughs) so I was amused in part. Sure. Um I'm going to I'm going to get to this summary which is very short and says almost nothing but this is what comes up when you google it. Um after 2 decades a damaged family reunite at their remote farmhouse where they confront long buried secrets and sins of the past. Um first of all, we're going to spoil this movie, so sorry, you're going to be spoiled. Um you know, don't listen. Skip to And I would say it is a movie with a twist. Yeah. Yeah. But we are not spoiling Clay's book, so you can skip forward to the interview if you uh, don't want to hear spoilers of a thing. Uh, also, just like general content warning, and I feel like, you know, it's a horror movie, so it's it feels less like, you know, stuff is going to come up in a horror movie, obviously. But there's like a lot mm-hmm. of stuff in here, um, like, you know, examples... Suicide, sexual assault, child abuse, pedophilia, ableism, anti-Roma, racism, incest, etc. So if any of that makes you uncomfortable, um, also, you know, feel free to skip forward. Uh, So. 
it's really a, a a list there. And that's not it, you know. I mean, if you, I'm I'm also always like when I'm doing a content warning, like should you do a content warning for murder or is that just like? <laughs> it's just a given yeah, these days, right? Like who you know doesn't bother me. Um, so. Uh, what Josiah saw is directed by Vincent Grishaw, uh, and I believe it is written by someone else. It's written by Robert Allen Diltz. Robert Allen Diltz. Ooh. I love him. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know who he is, but um, I was about to be like, "Wow, I wow, I feel out of it." <laughs> Uh, but so just, I guess, starting off like with the structure, um, is maybe a good way to start because also that can get us into talking about the characters too. So the movie is split into three chapters, which each focus mostly on a different character in the family. Um, so how did we feel about this structure and did you guys have favorite, least favorite sections? Um, I feel like your enjoyment of a section is likely related to whether or not you found the central character of the segment compelling at all. Well, I, I mean, I feel like I I appreciate I really appreciate the structure. I think the structure is probably the strength of the piece. And once you kind of are aware of how the structure, how the story is going to kind of unfold, um, it's so funny. Like I don't, I can't be cheeky about this movie. Like the the movie is like actually kind of like. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it wants to be taken seriously. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I feel as if there's a certain kind of movie, uh, that I really enjoy and have loved over the years. And that's the kind of narrative triptych puzzle movie. And I think like, you know, an obvious kind of option is to, to kind of mention Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But there's there's also this amazing film called Amores Amores Peros, which is such mm-hmm. a, a phenomenal movie, um, and it's these it's these movies that like, you know they they're kind of nested doll narratives that you have one narrative that on its surface seems like, you know, simple and you know it but but it kind of dovetails and crescendos into another narrative which you know, and you don't know how or why these these are intersecting stories like why is this story connected to this story it feels kind of incongruous or like an almost like an anthology series you know film until some sort of revelation there's like a moment where all of a sudden you're like wait a minute that person is in that like and all of a sudden you can kind of see this kind of interconnective tissue um but i do feel like this is trying very uh uh earnestly to be kind of the pulp fiction of American Gothic um, and really kind of throw a lot at the viewer for better or for worse. Um, And I, and I feel like it's, 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 uh, it's truly compelling. uh, And I, and I want to give it kudos for, for, you know, being kind of playful with its, its structure. Um, And I, you know, whether, it's successful or not. Like I, I, I feel like I have kind of conflicted feelings, but I, you know, it was certainly impactful and um, I, yeah, I appreciated it for it's kind of outside the boxness. It's a, <laughs> it's Pulp Fictioniness. Yeah. I agree. I, I was trying to find the, even the name of this movie. I can't remember it, but it's, it's like a Lebanese German. <laughs> 
But it's in three parts like this, and I watched it for a film class. And so anytime I see something that's so segmented like this, I think of that, which is not helpful because I can't remember the name. However, <laughs> I I agree that the, the narrative structure is a strength here because it did keep me curious about how it was all going to fit together because it had to come together in some way. That said, during each part, I found myself asking myself, am I supposed to be rooting for this person? Am I supposed to be enjoying this character and hoping for good things for them? Am I supposed to be anticipating their downfall? You know, I was kind of just like at a loss for how I as a viewer was supposed to be feeling about these characters because in a lot of circumstances, you know, we, we don't fully know what's happening for a good chunk of the movie, we just know something very bad has happened to all of these characters at a previous point in time. Joy is certainly in short supply in this film. Yeah, it's... It's bleak. It is very bleak. And it's bleak without even knowing what the horrible thing that happened was. I kind of think about movies like this or stories in general like this as the, like, I have a secret. I have a secret in my pocket and I'm not going to tell you what it is. And then eventually it will be revealed. And sometimes that's fun to dance around the secret and tease it out. I don't think I personally had fun (laughs) with the secret here. Um, so, okay. I just going off the secret idea, like if we're looking at the three different, so we follow each of the siblings in their story and we have, um, Tommy, we get first and he's the one who's still living at home with the dad. We know that his two, his twin siblings have, I have moved away. Twin older siblings. Um, Yeah. And uh, he's obviously being abused by his father. Um, that was rough. Yeah. Um, I mean, like verbally abused. Sexually sure. abused. Also Sexually some, abused. Yeah. I did, um, full disclosure, take a picture <laughs> of... I always watch things with captions <laughs> because sometimes I have problems understanding what's said in movies. And Shutter gave wonderful detailed <laughs> captions, and so I did just take a picture that said Tommy masturbating. Yes, yeah, um, and I so, sent it to everyone. But just speaking on the secret, so with Tommy's section, we do get a lot of like hints about like what the secrets might be because he's at home with his dad. Similarly, I feel like so Mary's section is the section we get last, mm-hmm. and. Similarly, in Mary's section, I feel like we get hints because we know that Mary um, basically, like, had her tubes tied at, like, a very young age, which is a very weird thing to do. And so that also gives you a hint into, like, okay, like, why would she be doing that? Like, what happened in her past, right? Um, so for me, it was Eli, which is the, the 
section we get in the middle that was like the most removed from propelling the story forward. Um, to me, it seemed just like very bleak for bleakness sake. Um, and also like, just and it, racist as well. He, he went yeah. on a journey. He went on a journey, <laughs> but I was just like, I don't, I, I was having more, like I felt less grounded in the story in that section. Right. Um, so that to me was the one section that was not working for me. The other two sections, I did feel like we were moving towards yes. revelations which was helpful, but in that section, and I'm sorry, you're going to hear the cat meowing in the background throughout this whole thing. Shim's just wailing. I don't, yeah, he was totally quiet until I started recording. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so to me, I think that section did not work as well as the other two sections because I was just like, why are we, like, why are we getting this? And it's not that, like, as I mean, much of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like each sibling does have like their own stuff going on that's like unrelated to their past. That's kind of like more about like this is where we are now. Right. But like I felt like his story was like mostly that. It was also the longest. And, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. I wasn't sure if it was just felt the longest or if it was actually the longest. <laughs> you, you could cut out his whole journey and it could still, still attach understand. itself yeah. to the yeah. kind of larger macro narrative of the family. Um, it seemed like just a story that these guys wanted to tell. This is like, this is their yeah. little sidebar journey into uh, the seedy underbelly of carnival, you know, Romani, you know, like just the, the, the kind yeah. of like the, being a little bit... Uh, Ozarkian in their, uh, mm-hmm. you know, noirness. Um, with, but it, 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 it struck me as like, I mean, it, and that's the, the epiphany point for me where I was like, oh my God, this is just trying to be pulp fiction. Cause there's this whole, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, like a semi unrelated, like crime story. Crime yeah. story, a, an, a, a, like a slightly supernatural, mysterious artifact that mm-hmm. in of itself is, has some sort of kind of power or effect over the people <laughs> on, on screen. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, but yeah, there's that, that middle section was definitely kind of like a story that they wanted mm-hmm. to tell. Um, about, um, uh, Romani people kidnapping a child for some reason, which just and also hoarding gold from Jewish people's fillings in World War Two. It was a very. I just feel and listen. I am not. I don't have like Romani heritage. Like I'm not super. You know, well versed in this stuff, but. It felt insensitive to me. Um, it just was very, it was very stereotypical. The fact that there was literally like a a fortune teller amongst this yeah. group of people. And then they had also, you know, taken a child and they were thieves and they were, it was just. It was just hitting a lot of stereotypes. Yes. Um, and for what reason? Again, like this is not, there's no purpose for this story in the grander sense of the plot and it wasn't interesting enough to even be valid you know because it was the longest and I would say 
least compelling part of the narrative because also I don't know this guy. He seems like an asshole. The first thing we learn about him is yeah, that like he is also is a yep yeah. The first thing we learn about him is that he you know got fucking thrown in jail for sleeping with a girl who was underage because she was at a bar and looked older than she was, quote unquote. And it's like, why Why am I following this guy who is just like, and I can, I can get into enjoying watching characters who are bad, but like, it was like there was I wasn't rooting for him. This the story itself wasn't interesting. The he's not interesting. He's just kind of shitty. He's not shitty in an interesting way. He's just like a guy that, you know, exists, you know, 100,000 times throughout this country likely. Uh I don't know. I just was like, it really was a... The f- Tell us how you really feel. I really hated that section. It really... Because, like, the first section... I'm really glad I'm not the only one, because I was like, is it... Like, I was, like, kind of losing it in that part. Yes. The first section, like, I was like, okay, sure, let's see where this goes. We're going somewhere. And then that happened, yeah. and I was like, what the fuck is this? And then, like, I did enjoy Mary's section more... Then I enjoyed it less when yeah. she got back to the yeah. house. But I liked her sort of individual story the most. Yes. Um, and Tony Hale was there. <laughs> and Tony Hale was there, which always helps. Playing very much against type. Yeah. I know. But He's can, we, can we say era. that, like, <laughs> he was he had a beard, right? Was he yeah. was he bearded? He when you have when you're a comedic actor and you grow a beard, you're playing a serious role. Ready um, yes. ready to get serious. Um, that is your serious face. He's not but baby I, buster I mean, anymore. <laughs> but with the first part, I you know, I remember watching it and I couldn't clock the time we were in. I was like, is this contemporary? Mm-hmm. Is this fifty years ago, twenty years ago? Like is this the seventies? Is this the fifties? Like even when they went to the uh uh, like went to town and there was like a, you know, went to the general yeah, like store. It, it still felt of like outside our time. Um, and you know, good Lord, like it, it just felt like, you know, these, these actors had the kind of weathered features and they're kind of like worst Midwestern haircuts and, you know, mm-hmm. their <laughs> teeth were stained. It, uh, you know, such a kind of desolate landscape. It was cold. Everyone's was hair chilly. is greasy. Yeah, there were no <laughs> leaves on the trees. Like it, it felt like it was. I mean, to me, it felt kind of like this Ed Gein nightmare that was just like you know, <laughs> you just didn't know what the kind of moral center of these these characters, and it, it was really, you know, opaque and pugnant, you know, repugnant, and I and I and I think that was. Mm-hmm. Y- y- then you shift into part two, and then there's this this kind of it's. It feels closer to a contemporary time, but it could have been the 70s. It could have been, you know, like it still felt like outside of the realm of our current, you know, present tense, um, which I really appreciated. Like it felt, but like the, the tone of it shifted, the, the kind of like almost the visual style kind of shifted, like the color palette felt mm-hmm. browner to me um, and a little bit more uh, <laughs> sepia toned. Um, and then you shift to, uh, it, but then again, with part two, there's just no moral center. There's no, you know, none of these people are people mm-hmm. that you are rooting for mm-hmm. or hoping to succeed in life or wanting to meet in a, you know, dark alley. But I, I feel like the film wears that with, with maybe not pride, but, but it is, the, you know, it is not asking 
anyone to identify with or, you know, sympathize. <laughs> there's, there's no empathy or sympathy for, for these characters. And I feel you, even when you get to part three, which is the most contemporary, like now you're like rooted mm-hmm. in the present tense and now you're mm-hmm. here and like the cars are shiny and they're colorful and like, it, you know, it, I, I think the movie makes great pains to make you not, uh, sympathize for these people. And I think that that might be it's embracing of the gothicness, like the kind of American gothicness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I'm totally up for debate on that, but I feel like, you know, uh, to me, when I think of, uh, the kind of fundamental, uh, <laughs> like American Gothic text, I think of buried child by Sam Shepard. Have you ever read that play, seen that play? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's pretty wild. It's amazing. Like, and <gasps> you know, that's going back like 40, almost 50 years now like it's a it's an old one and like you know they 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 still do it and it's you know it has has moments of kind of like you know there's a cringe to it but like you know there's a secret kind of embedded into that that is similar to the secrets that are embedded into this and you know whether or not you you kind of empathize or sympathize for those the characters who are kind of undergoing a similar kind of like relationship like it you you always i think with buried child there's always this sense of like you're watching people who have who are at the end of their moral tether just kind of unraveling because of those secrets where here you know the secrets are they're just soppy like they're kind of soppy and like squishy and you know mm-hmm. um i you know because of the the length of the movie it's a it's a solid 2 hours uh, you're, you know, by the end when revelations are made, like it's, it's the endurance test of, you know, mm-hmm. you've gone through every like trigger warnings or not. Like you've, you've basically like, there's just a checklist of like trauma that all of these characters have gone through. And that's before you even get to the last five minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're just like, like, do you, like, at that point, as an audience member, like, do you ask yourself, like, oh, like, I really feel, I feel bad for these characters, or oh man, this, this, I, you know, poor, poor guys, like, they're, you know, they've had a rough life, or, or are you just like yeah. rubber banded to, you know, like, there's just no elasticity to your soul anymore because you've been like stretched, 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 and now you're, uh, just loosey goosey. Yeah, I feel like that really is a great transition into my next uh, question, which includes a quote um, from a positive review of the film for Collider, though the quote would not lead you to believe that it's a positive review. Um, Chase Hutchinson wrote, it is the rare film that really shakes you to the core, pulling you fully into the pits of despair and leaving you feeling almost sick. There is abuse, violence, and cruelty at nearly every turn, a suffocating force that leaves you questioning why anyone would ever willingly watch this. Um, so this is my way of asking why would anyone ever willingly watch this? Um, I really struggle with things that are this like unrelentingly bleak, um, with no, like I, I can count on, you know, one hand the time, the number of like laugh lines that there were, or even like vaguely, I mean, like, and it's, they come so, it's so out of place at that point because the movie has been so, 
bleak. Like the part where he gives the guy gives Eli a shirt to wear because he doesn't have his shirt. And the shirt is from like Mm -hmm. wet t-shirt night. And it says like best titties on it. And he's just sitting there wearing this shirt that says best titties. And I'm like, I can see why this is funny, but it's like also I've just I've already, again, gone through so much, like Clay just said, that I'm like, I can't even be amused by this stupid T-shirt. I can't even I laugh, can't even laugh at a shirt titties. that says best titties. Like, that's really a problem. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like, do you guys are, – are there things that are this depressing that you guys feel like you genuinely enjoy watching? Did you genuinely enjoy watching this? I'm just curious if this is, like, a, a me thing. <laughs> I like to play a game with Shudder sometimes. Because it is a special streaming service. We are not that sponsored by Shudder, by the way. <laughs> no, but we could be. We could be. Hey. Yeah, um, we do talk about horror a lot. I will look at the description for something on Shudder and I'll think, mm, yeah, this sounds interesting. I will watch it and I'll give it 10 minutes. And if it's just terrible. We move on to something else. Um, If I didn't have to watch this, (laughs) it might have gotten stopped. Fair. At the 10-minute point, did you check and see where where you were at in the movie? (laughs) No. Well, after, at the very beginning, when Josiah says, do you know what I saw? And then he starts describing what's clearly a leprechaun. I was like, <laughs> if I can do this. What Josiah I like, saw I can't was... believe we're finding out what Josiah saw so early in the movie. Yeah, what Josiah saw was a leprechaun <laughs> shitting. Oh, that's not really what That's he what he saw. saw. I mean, that's one of many things Josiah saw. Mm. It's just one thing he saw. He's other things. I just... I don't know. I'm not saying that I don't enjoy things that are unrelentingly bleak. But I think at the end of this film, even though there were parts that I enjoyed or I could appreciate, I think at the end, I just felt sort of empty. And it wasn't a productive emptiness. Um, and I don't know if, as Clay said, I had been rubber banded so much that I just snapped and <laughs> couldn't feel anything for these characters anymore or what. But it's not that it was so sad. It's that I don't, I don't know what I was supposed to understand from it yeah mm-hmm. well and i think like that that's the sort of bleakness that is that makes me think not of like something sad but of something depressing like the difference between something being sad and something being depressing and for me when i think of depressing when i think of my own experiences with depression it's this like feeling of just like like pure just like hopelessness to the point where you're like nothing sure. will ever change there are no like highs and lows. It's just like bad. You know what I mean? I I also I think that at the end of the movie there's so many twists and turns and your perception of reality is yanked around a good bit 
that I also just had questions about what actually happened. Yeah, I mean, that, that too. You know, there's, there's so many reveals right at the end that afterwards I was like, okay, so like, did the brother and sister have sex? And like, whose perspective are we in at this point? Was that just somebody like thinking they did or... Uh, I think they or did. Is it all true? I don't know. Which you I, know, it's I don't have to understand everything. <laughs> That's I, fine. I, I mean, I think I think we know they had sex because like they have a conversation before we see that clip at the end where he's like, "Well, you didn't have to go in that hotel room," and she's like, "I know. I thought about it, or like whatever." Like they talk about the fact, like, "Well, you thought about it, and then you went in there anyway, and then you know, and then we see what happened in the hotel room." This so I think the assumption be, is that's what they were talking about. This could be an end of born <laughs> a born moment for <laughs> <laughs> where I just missed one thing. Yeah, and completely misunderstood. Yeah, there was a not to spoil born, but basically there was a character where you find <laughs> out at the end they've been. Was it that he'd been an android or something the whole time? I don't. Yes. Yeah. And you find that, that out in the book and then we're talking about it on the episode and Mary's like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I was leading the episode. So that is what we refer to as a born moment when Mary just, um, you know, or any of us really misses Misses something something crucial to the plot. Um, (laughs) But I don't, I mean, Jeff Vandermeer born. Yeah, Yeah. it is. Yeah. And, and, like, I had really gotten excited about it because I love Area X. And I was like, really? Like, we got to read this. We got to do it, you guys. And then Big it was a bit of a bear struggle. Yeah. Born is born. We've read worse right. books for sure, so. <laughs> there's there's no joy to be had in this movie. But I don't think this movie wants you to have any joy. I, I feel like it is, yeah. it's, it's, it is like giving you a traumatic experience much like the traumas that the characters themselves have suffered like it it mm-hmm. i think it does border on abuse but i i think that the film kind of wears that it's the kind of mission you know whether it's the mission statement of the movie or not like it feels like they are uh subjecting their audience to this type of trauma so that when you walk out of the movie theater, you feel as if you've just been, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that it has, it has abused you. And I, and and I think that like, there are certain movies that do that and maybe do it well. If, you know, if that, if that's the goal, you know, like great, you know, the experience is not to have pleasure as much as it is to like kind of suffer through something uh, I, you know, like Gaspar No, or you know, right. um, Lars Lars von Trier, right. or <laughs> oh my god! Uh, but it's you know, like, it's like, don't you have to have something else though with that, right? To like take away from it, can, or can the experience just be like this is purely just to make you feel miserable? Because like, if I if that's yeah. the goal, I don't know that it even worked for me because I didn't really feel miserable. I was just kind of like. I didn't really feel anything. I felt like the, you know, this is depressing, but I didn't feel like I didn't, you know, I didn't cry. I didn't feel like, like deep empathy or like, I didn't feel, I just didn't feel. I think you can feel, 
I think you can feel miserable without it being the type of thing that's supposed to make you. I don't feel like this is the type of movie that's supposed to make you cry. Like, I don't think that's the goal of it. I think trauma is the goal. And I think trauma, trauma kind of like does the opposite of making you cry, right? It snaps you like a band so that you don't feel anything anymore, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I don't think, I, I do feel like, I don't know. And this is kind of getting into your next question a little bit yeah. of like, what, what are we supposed to take from this? But I don't know. Like, so essentially to give away some of the ending, I guess we're getting into that. Yeah. Um, we find out that Josiah, the father, um, was abusive to all the children growing up. This is not In really different a and fun way. Yeah. yeah. They all got their different own special brand of abuse. <laughs> But um, we find out that he impregnates um, Mary, and this is what ultimately this is why his wife ends up um, dying by suicide. Um, and this is why the twins have gone away, and this is why, well, this maybe is why she serializes herself. There might be other reasons, like maybe she wants to like be with her brother and like doesn't want to have a baby from that. We can talk about that as well. But I think like a lot of this is about like what, like exploring like trauma and like what the trauma of like having an abusive parent like does to somebody. Um, And so like we're seeing how that manifests in like three different people in three different ways. Like these are adult people who like are stilted very much because of this trauma they experienced as a child, mm-hmm. like to the point where one of them is hallucinating that the father is still there abusing him. Yeah, because we got another reveal <laughs> of the classic he's been dead the whole time reveal, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. which, you know, was kind of, you know, I was surprised. I wasn't I didn't see that coming when they were all at the table. And then yeah. he was like, they were, when you, he, you know, him yeah. and Tommy are talking to each other. And then the sub- siblings were like, who are you talking to? And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Oh, no. All right. And then you have to think back again. I think like we've talked about it already, but one of the most disturbing scenes in the movie is like when the father finds Tommy's pornography and is like, all right, if you're going to have porn in this house, you have to masturbate in front of me, basically. And so now you have to go back and realize that he was masturbating and imagining his dad watching him, Mm -hmm. which is almost worse than the dad being there. And forcing him. Well, because you can only assume that his dad did that either to him or to, I don't know, because like he was also, how old was Tommy when they all killed the dad? Is my question. Because like, was he old enough to have his own stash of porno magazines? And I don't know when, at what age did that happen for young boys? How much much younger is he supposed to be than the twins? (laughs) I'm not sure. I mean, they showed that little flashback of them all kicking him yeah they all looked pretty young i mean either way it's like it doesn't matter if it's something that actually happened or not but that josiah looms so large josiah Mm -hmm. and his abuse looms so large in all of their lives that he's almost especially for tommy has become like a conscience a terrible conscience or like an inner voice yeah, who's there with him? Yeah. Um I I want to say because we're talking about Josiah, I think that Robert Patrick who I think we are all I, I mean at least my generation is kind of most familiar with him being um T 
to, um, uh-huh. and you know, that I, I, I'm always apprehensive. There's like this moment where I kind of like do a little eye roll kind of brace deep breath of like, you're about to watch a movie that, that takes place in a very particular region that has a very particular type of character cast. Uh, and yet you have these actors who are, whether or not they're name actors or celebrities, like you're very familiar with them and they're going to play. It's not so much play against type, but play into a very specific kind of, you know, this is like, we're going to get gritty or we're going to get like, we're going to, we're going to go Gothic or we're going to go Southern or we're going to go. And, and I was kind of bracing for Robert Patrick to, you know, not be able to lose himself into in the role but i actually i found it pretty affecting uh you know mm-hmm. he, he i i, I kind of want to give him kudos as this kind of malevolent presence like he savored this despicable role and <laughs> he sold it he did i think he yeah. did very well and uh that can never be easy, you know, and, you know, to play someone who is, who has no kind of moral morality whatsoever, uh, you know, he did it with a plum. And I think that like, there was, there's something to be said about that. I also think just to throw it out there, Nick Stahl, uh, who was the, I'm blanking on his character's name, but that he was the middle section guy. Eli. The, Eli. Eli. Uh, what I find really compelling about the casting of him is, and you know, if if you pick up a tabloid, you're just kind of aware that like Nick Stahl had has been battling addiction and that like, mm. you know, he's one of these child stars who has had kind of a, you know, a checkered past and an up and down career and uh, also was in a Terminator movie, funny enough. Um, but uh, it, you know, I, I think him playing this particular role, uh, while not necessarily stunt, casting felt so close to something real <laughs> that I, you know like i i do think that uh a lot of the actors in this uh it could have been so easy to uh to stick to the surface of like i'm i'm playing some redneck like i'm playing some like bad yeah. man um <laughs> but i think there is a certain kind of commit level of commitment to the acting and 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 you had you they, you have to these actors had to to go to the places yeah. that they go to the the depths that they plummet like you know it is not there you know again it's not pleasurable but they commit to it so full force that like you're in essence just watching this this kind of like descent into utter hell um and what that says about us as audiences who are going for that ride i don't know but like they they take you there. They, they, you know, they do their jobs well. I, I did enjoy the performances. I agree. Um, and I, as someone who has never seen Terminator uh, or T2. Yeah, I know. Um, you only have to see wow. the second one. Shame on me. Shame on me. Oh. But I was not really familiar. <laughs> I was most familiar with Tony Hale out of this cast. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I was, everyone was great. I I had no there was not a moment where I was like this person feels out of place, you know. Um so I I do think everyone did a great job. And I like again, I don't know, I don't know who Nick Stahl is. I don't know who the younger 
person is either. And if you had told me, like, these are just, like, local people in this town and you had cast them, I would have probably believed you. So, um. I will say, sort of on that note, I all, there were also some moments of really interesting cinematography that I really yeah. enjoyed. The fight scene that um, happened in the in the second section, despite me not enjoying that section, but the like kind of slow motion fight that occurred, yeah. and when that one guy's body goes flying across the screen in such a strange way, where it seems like probably someone threw him, but he's such a big guy, and mm-hmm. it's like, how did someone manage to toss he's this just very man? slowly yeah. <laughs> going across. Um, that, yeah, that was cool. I'm, I'm thinking of, there were a couple of scenes where someone was getting stabbed, mm-hmm. and it was very interesting um to me both times because you would see the person who was getting stabbed's face but it was kind of like un- you could hear it but it was kind of unclear like what was happening and then it would pull back a little to actually show i don't know it was it was interesting yeah mary stabbing herself in the bed was one of the more yeah like effective horror sure. moments yeah. i think um cuz this movie also doesn't have too many, like, horror, you know, moments. Um, or, like, horror image it's moments. Full of it's dread. full of dread. But the, the like, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, imagery of, of fear is, you know, there are f- a few moments like that, and I do think that they are effective. That moment especially sticks out to me. Yeah. That's the fun thing about movies like this, is, like, if you don't have anything happening in the story that looks scary, you can always have them have a nightmare. Yes. That's true. Boom. There you go. And it was like a a premonition nightmare. Yeah. Which is interesting yeah. too. But No, I'm not saying it was a useless scene, oh, but no, I think I that, that that can be helpful when you're like just building dread is like, oh we haven't had any things scary happen on screen yet let's have her dream about stabbing herself in the stomach a few times well and it's especially effective Having a weird encounter with her husband at the fridge in the middle of the yeah, night yeah you know? when you know that this character is going through something and likely it seems like she has ptsd from that experience and like mm-hmm. having nightmares is like you know it's not just like in some movies where they use a nightmare as a just like here's a moment where it's scary, but you're like, why is this person even having this dream? Mm -hmm. Or, (laughs) you know, like for her, it made sense for that, but it was also, um, yeah, it was was scary. But um, Emily, you you kind of got into the next, the question of like, what are we to take from this? Or what is the movie trying to communicate on like a, I don't know, because, and I'm asking this just genuinely curious about like what, what kind of themes you guys saw outside of like trauma? Like, I don't know, the stu- there's like stuff about sin and religion and things like that. And I'm, I'm like still, I, for the record, I finished the movie like an hour ago. So I'm also like pretty fresh on this. Fresh. Um, so I'm just like curious what, what you guys have kind of come to think over the last, you know, however long since you watched it. I watched well, it you know Thursday. I love talking about sin. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> I mean, definitely your sin will find you. I mean, I, I think that's the, yeah. you know, the, as, as kind of off center or, or parallel, the middle section kind of goes, I do feel like there is something to be said about the consequences of 
crimes committed in the past and how mm-hmm. they, you know, it may take their time, but there is a certain kind of cosmic justice that, that comes, comes full circle. And, um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll pay the reaper one way or another. Um, and that's, that's as close to a takeaway as I, I feel like the movie offered me. Um, other than just like, you know, there's no hope, you know, we, (laughs) this is a, this is not our land. You know, people will take it. Oil, companies will kind of suck the the lifeblood out of it you know frack it to oblivion Mm -hmm. and you know the only things that are kind of soaking into the the soil of this this family household is just every last single sin (laughs) they've committed in that house you know and whether that's supernatural or not like the people who live in the house are, are definitely haunted by those those ghosts of the past and uh you know yeah like i just I'm, I can appreciate it for not being kind of overt in its horror. It's, it's certainly horrific, uh, you know, and that, you know, is it horror? Is it not horror? I, I feel like it is. It's, that's the kind of fine line that, that gothic films or stories tend to walk regardless. So I, I, it definitely has the kind of like vocabulary of a horror film without necessarily needing to be a horror film. Um, I think it's, you know, it, it, in a in a kind of similar way, like it made me think of. Um, did you guys read Gabino Iglesias's uh, "The Devil Takes You Home"? Uh, it's a wonderful book. That I'm familiar with it, but I haven't read it. It came out last <laughs> year, and it's great. Uh, and it's always it's it's a noir film. I'm sorry, a noir novel that uh, kind of crashes into its supernatural qualities, its horror qualities, like at, at the most inopportune times. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, you can make a case that this is not a horror film. Uh, but I, I kind of love it for playing that, that card or, you know, walking that line of like, is it, am I, am I a horror film? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on shutter. So that must be a horror film. <laughs> if it's on yeah. shutter, it's something. <laughs> I agree that it's definitely using the vocabulary of horror or the like some tropes of horror, even if it's not, you know, quote unquote scary. What is it trying to communicate? I don't know. Don't keep a secret. Don't keep a secret. That's my moral. (laughs) If we have to boil it down, don't keep secrets and don't abuse your kids. Never fun. Secret secrets. And don't sleep with your brother. Yeah. So on that, um, the last question (laughs) That I have, which it was an, this was my this was an Emily request, <laughs> which my way of saying it would be like, what's with the ending? But Emily said in a text to me, because I said, I'm I'm writing discussion questions for this. Um, and she was like, why incest? That's her, the question. Yeah. Why not? I just, I just didn't know why we needed to... Like, because there was speculation that the brother and sister were sleeping with each other. I just didn't know why we needed to have it spelled out with us, spelled out for us, like as our final, the final visual. shot, the final yeah. visual is them just fucking in a motel room, going at it. <laughs> yeah, for why? I, you know, I almost would have appreciated it more 
if we had had the scene, you know, with Tommy saying, well, you know, you guys had that baby and them saying, no, Tommy, it wasn't like that. You know, like dad was abusing Mary and whatever. And this is something like you've sort of created from these hallucinations or, you know, whatever you're having of Josiah. But then when they just showed it. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. It's like what? And then it's like, do you? So are we to understand that the brother, that the twins were also sleeping together when the dad impregnated Mary? And if they were, then how do they know that it was his baby? Or did they just? <sighs> and also. I can't. Uh, something I didn't fully I can't understand is like, so did she have the baby? There's a little baby skeleton. What exactly happened there? Yeah. I think she had the baby and then they just buried it. Okay. So right? they buried it alive? Yeah. Or? I don't know. Sure. That, I mean, I. That would be a sin they, for I sure. assume they had to in some I'm way like, that's something I could have used clarity on. I didn't need to see the motel twins fucking. You could have shown me them burying a baby. That might have helped me a little bit more. So Kelly wants more baby <laughs> More baby murder. violence. More baby murder, less twin fucking. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we had all the trigger warnings. We warned you we were going to go here. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I just didn't know that we needed that clarified so explicitly. Especially as our final scene. Well, yeah, because then that's getting to the, like, what it, What are we supposed to take away from this? That's the twi- That's the last <laughs> twist. That's the, mm-hmm. I mean, because up to that moment, you'd be, there was an accusation and there was a, no, no, we didn't do that. Of course we didn't do that. We, we would never do that. And I think me as an audience I member, did. I was like, oh, okay, I guess they didn't do it. Like, you know, yep. like I was totally, I, I think I bought it. I was like, yeah, they, you know, of all the things, like that didn't happen. Like, at yeah. least that didn't I mean, the happen. movie, the movie, it, 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 it does the kind of the sucker punch where it, it, it posits it, it accuses them of it, they deny it. The film seems to kind of acquiesce around that idea that they didn't. And then there's the, the final reveal, and they're like, oh, I guess they did. And then, you know, any any kind of allegiance or sympathy you might have had for them in that moment is just, like, revoked. It's just taken away. And I think mm-hmm. the movie is basically saying, like, you know, there are no good people in this world. Um, not in this mm-hmm. family. And, like, that, you know, I think you're like, oh, okay, well, then, yeah, everybody's a liar. And everybody, like, they're... It's yeah, all it's bad. It's all bad. But and everyone's I, I dip, that- like depraved, like. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny too because I think, and this is like such a a weird thing to say, and I'm not saying like you know, yay incest or anything, but like of all of the terrible things that you can do, like I you know, two adults consenting to have sex with each other, even if they're like it's weird and and disturbing and bizarre, but I'm like they didn't hurt anybody by doing that. Uh, so I don't think they're worse people necessarily. I I think they're worse people for killing a baby and burying it, but. Did you ever read, uh, or watch, uh, Flowers in the Attic by. I know I'm familiar. I'm very familiar. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's published by my imprint. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so I've so. done like um, <laughs> back cover designs for the books and stuff. But I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's interesting because the the whole. I, I mean, it's been a while, so I'm probably going to murder this. But like the whole idea is that uh, you know, you have two people, two siblings who uh kind of forge a a bond of friendship a relationship uh and you know they might not be the first in their family to have done that and you know it's it's a legacy of of potential incest um mm-hmm. not to spoil it for anybody but uh it's been out it's of been it. Out I feel like if you know if you've heard of flowers in the <laughs> attic you know like children locked inside and they are doing incest that's like the yeah. the basic knowledge of those books i think it says that on the back yeah <laughs> that's what it's actually that's the shelf that they always put it on in barnes yeah. and noble <laughs> incest sibling incest shelf um it's right by game of thrones <laughs> yeah but, it, but there is that for like i think there's like this this strange innate fascination with siblings mm-hmm. you know like I, just getting it on and like i i, I think this movie it it basically kind of takes that concept, the, the kind of flowers in the attic concept, and it basically, it just, it just kind of like rebukes it. It's like, oh, how dare you accuse us of that? Yeah. No, never. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. It, okay, <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, we did that too. We did, we did that. Too. Well, that, but then it's like, oh, so, so the question is like, did they, was, you know, I'm sure that it's true that Mary was also being abused by her father when it comes to the baby mm-hmm. thing. Like, it could have, maybe they didn't know whose baby it was, but they were like, whatever, this gives us a good reason to murder him or something. I mean, either way, you you can't have that baby. Right. You know? Yeah. No, that's, yeah. You shouldn't have a baby of incest. That is bad. I believe that. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what a ride. Yeah. What a what journey. A ride. Do we are we going to rate the movie? Did you guys rate it on any Clay do you use Letterboxd or anything? I don't. I would I did. I saw on Shutter that it had five skulls. Shutter of course Ooh. would have skulls. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> Out of five or out of yeah. ten? Oh, out of five. Okay, five out of five skulls. I give it two. I was going to give it two skulls as well. I believe I gave it three skulls. Wow, on Letterbox. Wow, out, we're saying out of five. Five, and on Letterbox mm-hmm. you are allowed to do half skulls. Well, there's stars on Letterbox, but I'm just saying skulls now because that's shutter. Shutter is skulls. Yeah. I would, I, I'm going to, oh my God, am I going to give it four? I would give it either three. Wow. Or I, I feel like there's the, the, the kind of the performances, the mm. narrative mm-hmm. dynamic, the, the kind of like just doing something a little bit different. I think uh, it, you know, it, it might not be the, the kind of sum of its parts. I feel like the, the third section is like way rushed. Um, mm-hmm. in comparison yeah. to the other two, particularly the second. Um, but, uh, 
I, I think like the caveat is that you have to know that like this is a film that is not built for joy. This is a film not built for pleasure. That it's a film that's meant to abuse its audience and traumatize its audience, and that like you know people watch Last House on the Left, and they you know yeah. that that's that's the ride that they want to go on. And you know I think the film does a pretty good job of kind of like shooting its mission statement, you know, within the first 15 minutes of riding that bicycle or, you know, so Mm -hmm. like it's, it's, I think it's there. Um, and you know, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't find it pleasurable, but I felt that there was something kind of compelling at its dark, dark heart that, uh, kept me watching for two whole hours. Yeah. Yeah. So long as well. Two long hours. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we had this talk. Um. <laughs> now it is time for our interview with our very special guest, Clay McLeod Chapman. Author oh, of what you kind might of recognize mother. him from the rest what of the episode. <laughs> so, time. after a lengthy um, discussion, we've decided that we're going to do a um, non-spoiler section of the interview. So that will be first. If you have not read the book, we highly recommend going into it fresh. So this section, it should be okay. You you don't need to have read it yet. But if you care about being spoiled. Don't listen to the section after that, and we will let you know, and we'll also mark a timestamp. We will have yeah. it in the yes. Um, so yeah, Clay, do you want to just give a, a little summary of the book, a little non-spoiler summary? Yeah, this is a <laughs> romantic jaunt into the lives of two two folks who have kind of lived their life, had some hard times, some some ups and downs. You know, life has not been you know, good to our, our main characters, um, Maddie and Henry, but they live, they've lived hard and they find each other again after years of being apart, uh, in this coastal Virginia town. And Maddie is, uh, kind of scraping by making ends meet in her hometown, uh, raising a teen daughter all on her own, uh, doing it by reading people's palms you know is she psychic i don't know maybe maybe not probably not but you know that that doesn't keep people from believing you know henry is one of those guys who's you know lived kind of on the periphery of society and you know he's had he's had some really hard times too um and maybe i'll i'll steer clear just for now we could talk about it later but like you know henry's had some rough some rough or had a rough go at it, <laughs> but they find each other just when they needed each other the most. And sparks fly, my friends. They fly. So like you would describe this as a romance. <laughs> this is a romance yeah. novel. <laughs> it is. Darn it. Maybe. <laughs> there is a romance. I mean, like, we're, we're always coy about it. I, I guess I'm coy about it because, like, we, we wanted to feel like a Nicholas Sparks novel. Yeah, so maybe I should make this my first question because this was um, I I have some questions that I that I specifically formed around your acknowledgement section. Yeah. Um, 
And I did notice that you mentioned Safe Haven by Nicholas Sparks as an important text. Oh, my God. So can you talk about that a little bit? (laughs) That that novel is bonkers. Have you read Safe Haven? I have never read it, no. So can you tell us, can you spoil Safe Haven briefly? (laughs) I... I mean, we didn't say we wouldn't spoil Safe Haven. <laughs> That's <laughs> I think true. Sparks is going to come after me. I mean, that, that <laughs> book is bonkers. Like, you can say whatever you want to say about what kind of mother, but like, Nicholas Sparks is just pulling that shit left and right, all willy nilly. He's he is wild. He like like I, it's been a while since I've read it, so I'm going to murder the plot. But like, like Safe Haven is all about like, oh, there's this woman, and she's like getting out of an abusive relationship, but she's like got to like hide, and she's like on the run, and she's hiding. I remember in this, this like, movie. North, I didn't read. Yeah, it. she's in like a North Carolina Chesapeake Bay town or whatever, and she meets this dude, and oh, the dude is so like heartbroken and broken and so <laughs> handsome, and just like, oh my god, like you know, he's the best, and uh. She's living, she's like renting a house. <laughs> Some like, and like her neighbors, this like sassy, like fun friend, and like, you know, mm-hmm. or no, wait, I, like basically, it's like, oh, like we, I'm making friends with this person, and, and it's like the, I, I, this is the worst way to explain this story, but it's like, it's the ghost of the husband, the, the guy's, like the romantic the dead, interests, like the guy, the guy's no. like, like, like he, ha- he's like trying to get over like the death of his wife. You know, she died, and like, it, like it was so heartbreaking for him, and uh, and it's the ghost, like her new friend in this town is the ghost it's of his, his wife. wife, and she's setting her up with her living husband. So it's like, that's nice. She's like, hey, man. My, I don't know. I'm, this is my terrible North Carolina accent, but like, you know, it's like, oh, like, like, she's, he's just like hurt and heartbroken and just needs to get over me. So I'm gonna like, like, I'm gonna just ghost bust these two together and it's just gonna be like, that's what he needs. And, you know, you go through the whole novel. I've just ruined it and told a terrible synopsis of it. <laughs> but like, like the whole book is like her. Like the, the, the protagonist, whatever her name is, basically being like, Oh, I like this guy. You know, he's had a hard Just go think of it. her as Julianne Huff from Dancing with the Stars, because that's who plays her in the movie. Oh, yeah. So Oh my God. Um <laughs> and, and it's like you have this friend who's like just being helpful and then you realize that she's like a ghost. Yeah, <laughs> she's like, like the, the, the friend, the BFF in a in a rom com. Yeah. But then that is a bonkers. That is bonkers. And like, I mean, I ate it up with a spoon and it's like, what is the, (laughs) what is the horror version? I mean, that is, that is Mm. a horror. That is like a, it is a supernatural. It's a ghost story. Mm hmm. Also, I have to say, when I just looked up the, the novel on Wikipedia, the genre was described as romance and realism. Hmm. Realism? Realism. Because ghosts are real. A ghost becomes your best friend. Happens to me all the time. Turns out she's a robot. She was an android at the end. It's like this one (laughs) paragraph at the end where it's like, and I'm blinking you miss it. Yeah, so like I just, I had to do it. I had to like. I can see it. I can see. 
I am yeah. ripping off Nicholas Sparks. Like I'm trying to like do a Nicholas Sparks. I wanted to pull a Nicholas Sparks, but I wanted to like go like a little bit for like, 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 Oh, like this would be what Nicholas Sparks would be like if this became a horror movie. Like this is yes. like mm-hmm. a, mm-hmm. something a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, that's really like, a jumping off point for what, um, <laughs> what occurs. Yeah. Like, oh, no, this is going to get bad. (laughs) Well, I also remember that last time that you were on the show and we asked you, what are you working on next or whatever? And at that time, you didn't give us any details, but you said, like, I'm really, really struggling with this and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it or something along those lines. (laughs) And I assumed that that was this book. Um, so yeah. now that it's out in the world, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your process and what it was about this book that made it so, like, tough. Uh, yeah. Okay. I could talk about that. Um, I mean, I pitched it as a thing that was like a, uh, you know, like the, the Nicholas Sparks novel gone wrong. And then, you know, uh, the the first draft felt very kind of like true crimey and very very much like kind of following the two of them through the process of like i i had written a lot like there's a lot of stuff that just got cut like this was a lot longer and 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 a lot of it was just like like let's do a séance let's like let's do a like let's see if we can have like you know connect to you know doing like Cause one of the things that I was really fascinated by and I felt like I wanted to kind of like stick to is this idea of in missing person cases or murder cases, sometimes every so often there'll be someone who kind of comes out of the blue, you know, out of the woodwork and they're basically like, hi, I'm a psychic. I know where this person is or where the body is or, and I can help you. I can take you there. And they ingratiate themselves into the process of, you know, finding where these people are. And, you know, sometimes the law enforcement, you know, they, they embrace it. Sometimes they kind of shirk it and kind of push it away. But like, there is this phenomenon of, uh, psychics in, in law. And I just felt that was like really kind of interesting. And like, particularly in the seventies and eighties, there was like so many, cases uh, you know that that like you know books were written about like i i i can't i i mentioned a lot of them in the the acknowledgments because i just feel like they were so fascinating there's one called missing persons um there's but like all like i just i thought that was just such a fascinating idea and like who would that character be and maddie to me was kind of someone who I think had that, that kind of DNA. So like I, you know, and the, the kind of that weird question of like, Oh, I really want to help Henry, but I'm lying to him. Like that, that was, that was a big toggle of like, what, what kind of sympathy would our reader have for somebody who was like actively exploiting this man's grief over his lost son? Because that's the thing. Henry lost his son. Uh, His wife committed suicide at, you know, upon like the disappearance of, their child and it's like this big kind of flashpoint of just like just bad stuff happening to this family just they like implode 
and five years have gone by. Nobody knows what happened to their, their son, Skylar. Like he just disappeared. Uh, and, uh, nobody knows how that connects to, uh, the Henry's wife, Grace and her suicide. And so you have all of these unanswered questions and, uh, you know, the town itself kind of rallies or, you know, in, in this way that small towns tend to do where they like kind of hide, hide someone in plain sight and kind of protect them and maybe protect them from themselves, which could in fact do a lot more damage. Um, and, uh, Maddie, who is not a, you know, she was, she grew up in this community, left and now has come back and she kind of like ingratiates herself into his life. And, is it exploitation? Is it love? Is it something in between? It's somewhere in the middle? You know, like it's like, yeah. So there were drafts of this book where I had them like, like, do you feel anything here? Like, I'm getting a sense of something over here. And like, you know, you would like, go through all like, because like, I wanted to watch her kind of wrestle with that. Like, it's like, oh, this is so bad. Like, I can't believe I'm doing this. But like, mm-hmm. he's really responding to like, so like, they went to like the old house and oh my, and like there's like a new family that lives there. And it's like, this was the room that I was in. And then, and she was like, Oh, I feel something here. You know, like it just like all of that stuff. And my editor was like, get this shit out of the book. Like, this is like, don't do it. This, this is like, cause it's just like a lot of like her being like, Oh, it's, it's right. like, like the fake a- psychic. Yeah. 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 Um, so they made me cut all that stuff <laughs> and, and then it, and then it got weirder. It just got weird. Like the book got weirder. Um, the first draft, there was definitely like when the, the kind of supernatural elements really kind of like come into play, like it was kind of more, uh, standard supernatural stuff. Like it was traditional supernatural stuff like not to not to encroach into the the spoiler zone yet but like the things that happened kind of felt like oh yeah this is where that would happen you know like of course like this is where we're gonna get to this part um but then in the revising of it it got weird like like the 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 kind of folkness of it the kind of like the region the stuff all the stuff that happens in the second half was like a was a a refined and uh like in like really get, like allowing me to kind of dig into that kind of like nature versus nurture this is nature it's mm-hmm. a lot of nature and nature nature like you know like the kind of element of the kind of organic natural elemental all the stuff that happens in this area really came into that second half in the revision of it so it went from like what you could say was like a booty boo like a like that's that's something that we we've all seen to something that was a little bit more like what <laughs> yeah yeah if that made any i sense. think that <laughs> no it, it sounds like a difficult revision process but i think ultimately it served the book well because that weirdness is fine but i, I won't talk about <laughs> the weirdness yeah. I know you mentioned um that this was okay, so it's obviously like we've got the Nicholas Sparks inspiration in there, but there's also some like fairy tale inspiration as well. And I had to look up this one because I hadn't heard of it before. Yeah. Actually. Um but uh Godfather Death. Yeah. I was like, now I have to know what that story is to kind of see 
And I know there is like a specific reference way late in the book to God. I don't think it's a spoiler to say there is a specific reference to Godfather death and like her telling the story in the book. But was that something that was an inspiration all along or as you were revising and deciding like what the weirdness was going to be and where it was going to go, that kind of like came in or. We did something wild. There was a draft with that Godfather death story was actually at the very beginning. That was like the prologue. There was like a couple prologues, mm-hmm. but there was like this moment where I was like, let's start in this vague way of like a mother talking to a child, mm-hmm. telling this child a fairy tale bedtime story. And it is this Grimm's fairy tale of Godfather death, but, but kind of grind, like rooting it more in like, this is like her story. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. stole that Godfather death story, but I think that's okay. Um, because it's <laughs> that's like, what fairy tales are I for. Think, I mean, yeah. I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's public domain now, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely public the, domain. The Grimm stole it too. But I, you know, like for me, that was the kind of, I, the reason why I had it at the beginning was like, it felt like this is almost the mission <laughs> statement of the, the book, or it was at one point, um, that idea of like, uh, who is your godfather? Is it going to be God? Is it going to be the devil? Or is it going to be death himself? And, uh, I just, I thought that it was so touching because the, you know, and it's been a while since I've read the original story, but like in, in the context of this, that idea of like, God, you know, God is not going to be your godfather because, uh, you, you don't, respect everybody you 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 only you only kind of you know care for those who covet you and or care for you and then the devil's the same way because like you're a liar and you're not you know you just want you want for yourself but death is the grim reaper is the the kind of like all-encompassing like everyone is treated the same way and there's just something so uh, powerful of that, you know, that idea that like God and devil are always kind of constantly duking it out. But the, the real kind of like the person who treats us all the same with the same kind of <laughs> love and care, whatever you want to call it is, is death. And it's the great uh, equalizer. Right. I also will say, um, why, <laughs> why this, why this setting? Yeah. I grew up there. Cause it's, I, this is like, yeah, home. yeah. I was, I mean, I was wondering because I feel like I hate to be the person that's like, the setting's a character. <laughs> but like, it did feel very specific and very uh, like detailed yeah. in a way that I wondered, like, is he from there? Totally. Yes. <laughs> I could point out that duck blind to you. Like, I know where yeah. that thing is. Like, that thing was outside my window. Like, Henry's house. Full disclosure, I had no idea what a duck blind was. I had we to had look that up. We had a whole conversation yeah. about it. I was like, like, you yeah, guys well, know, know what a duck, what a duck blind, blind is. is. But isn't that amazing? <laughs> like, I, you know, what is it? No two words have been more perfect than cellar door. Like I think duck blind is such a like, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. So, like what it, what the hell you just say duck blind and people are like, huh? What? I like read that and I was like, I guess that's a thing. And I kept reading and eventually like that, what it looked like sort of came into my head. And then I looked it up after and I'm like, that's not what I was imagining, but. <laughs> um, yeah. I love 
that area was is has always been kind of near and dear like i still Mm -hmm. i still have family down there and i still go down there uh i wrote a lot of this down there and uh you know it was quite literally quite literally i would be writing you know i i write best in the morning so i'm like watching like the sun is rising and i'm at my computer and like the river is right there the piankatake river is right there and i'm watching the crabbers go out you know, and like some of them are like pulling their traps up right in front of me. And it's just like, like it just felt like I just wanted to write about that place. I just wanted to write about that. You know, it goes beyond region. It goes beyond just like the people. Like it's just something about that era, area that is, I don't know, like I, it's haunting. It's beautiful. It's, there's just so much there. And, um, you know, it's funny because, like, even in that particular area where I am, like, S.A. Cosby lives close by. Like, he lives down there in Gloucester. Uh, there's, um, I'm going to get her name right, but I, I just want to make sure that I uh, don't uh, um, mispronounce. But there's another author, T. Marie Vandalie, Vandalie. Uh, who wrote a novel called Theme Music, and she lives down there. And in, and that's a great horror movie, or not horror movie, horror novel, uh, psychological horror novel. That might be a supernatural horror novel. Um, but it's it's just like that era, area, has like all of these amazing authors in it. And like, I, I don't know, like I just love, I just love the idea of like, you know, everybody's just kind of like, hey, hey, S.A. Cosby. <laughs> what is it here. about that area that, like, provokes horror uh, specifically? The water. The it's water. The water. <laughs> <laughs> There's something in the water. <laughs> it's also, I'm just, I guess, you know, so, like, I grew up in South Georgia, which is a totally different region, but even so... I, I like felt like this resonated with me because small town people depending on nature and the land and sort of like what the earth is going to give you to get by. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I mean, like that's the, like, you know, I, I do feel like there's something to be said about uh, writing a book or a story that has something to do about, you know, we talk about farming, like farming is like, uh, you know, but like fish, fishing in of itself is, it's, it, you know, I think of it as like farming in the sea. And, uh, yeah. I don't know, like there's something, maybe it's just the books that I'm choosing to read, but I feel like I haven't personally read enough of, of that. So it was kind mm-hmm. of, it was a fun kind of exercise in trying to, uh, contribute to that idea. I have a thing, but I don't know if this is going to involve a spoiler because I don't know what this is. So. Here's the question. Again, back to the acknowledgments. Of course, every time I'm like, (laughs) I was like, how do I ask questions that aren't spoilery? Let me go to the acknowledgment section and see what I can pull since only a third of the book would not. (laughs) Let me mine the inspiration. Yeah, exactly. Um, But you also mentioned the true crime Reddit urban legend of Olivia Mabel, (laughs) um, which I have not heard of. And I don't know what that is. Um, Yeah. Is that going to spoil it if you tell us about this thing? It might, but that's okay. I think I, I'm I'm down. I think this might be the time to 
transition. This is the tipping this point. Is, this is the tip. This is where we're gonna shift. This is the tip, y'all. <laughs> if you're, you're if you're cutting out at this point because we are going to delve into spoilery territory, we highly recommend you go pick up Clay's new book because. I mean, I think it's a testament that things get so wild that we're like, well, we gotta ask. Well, yeah, like, I mean, we, like we have to ask. Normally, we're <laughs> able to do like we usually try to keep our interviews not spoilery, but it's like this is one of those books where it's just like I don't really know how to talk about it that much without spoiling it. So, which I think is a yeah. positive good yes. thing. I think so. Like, and we we definitely want you listeners to <laughs> read the book and enjoy the turn without. You know, knowing. I just think it's a good turn to just enjoy. Yes. To go I in, really had no idea where go we in were blind. going. Yes. To go in yeah. duck blind. <laughs> to go in duck blind. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. Okay, spoilers. spoilers. Spoilers now. I mean, the 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 great thing about that uh, urban legend, that is totally fake. And it's <laughs> such a bummer because it was so great. And I it, it turns out that it's just a... Uh, um, some kind of proof of concept that a, a group of filmmakers wanted to do to uh, mm-hmm. uh, make a movie out of it. So they like did a Blair Witch where they like created this whole kind of false urban legend, mystery ghost story and like fed it to the internet and like the internet kind of like seized on it. And they never made, there might've been a short film of it, but they never made the feature film of it. So it's like, it's, it's almost like in of itself, this kind of urban legend, urban legend where it's like oh there's this story that exists only on the internet because they like the people who made it wanted to make a movie but they never made you know they didn't get the money so like now this this thing only exists on you know online uh and it's it's all about was it olivia mabel uh family lost their son um and through some sort of kind of like the power of thought and persistence and love, uh, she is capable and, and through, you know, Eastern mysticism, uh, Mm -hmm. create a, what is known as a tulpa. And, uh, the tulpa is a thought form. Uh, it is an entity that is manifested and exists purely on the thought of the people who manifest it. So, uh, if the the four of us thought really, really hard and focused all of our energy, we could create a tulpa. Um, the power of thought manifests this this physical entity. Um, but what's so so kind of unnerving about the uh, Olivia Mabel narrative is that like you know she created this thing. She like l- like basically like like everybody knew that her child was gone and kind of in pet cemetery fashion. Like you know. When, once the child comes back, uh, they have to live, you know, in kind of utter seclusion away from everybody else because everybody else knows the truth that this child no longer exists. So, uh, but this child basically like sucks the life out of her. Uh, and there's like a, the, the way the story itself is kind of framed is that there is like a 911 call uh, to the local, you know, authorities. And like, it's, there's no, there's no one there. Like, you know, it's like nine and one, how can we help you? And like, they hear breathing, like it sounds like a child's breath. And so, but they immediately go to the, 
police are dispatched to go to the address and it's a house. It's Olivia Mabel's house. They like bang down the door, they open it. And uh, here is this kind of like house that's clearly like whoever's in here has not been like, has not left for months. You know, it's just been like in utter seclusion and like they come across like a, the corpse of Olivia Mabel. And it's like desiccated and totally like been there for a long, long time. Nobody else is in the house. You know, so like, there's this like big mystery of like, well, if this is Olivia Mabel and she's dead and she's in this house alone and no one's like been in and out of this house for so long because we had to bang down the door, like who made the phone call? And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, (laughs) through, through the kind of like discovery, they like come across all of these kind of like, uh, Buddhist monk, you know, like, like, like basically like there's this, this kind of like correlative to like the, you know, in Tibet, there is this notion of a tulpa being an actual thing that, like, you can, by focusing your, med- like, by meditation through prayer, you can create an entity. And, uh, there's a lot of, like, anthropological discussion of this and, and, and studies on this. Uh, and so this, this, this whole idea of, like, this mother kind of, like, finding these tibetan prayers and like you know uh, she she basically like uses it to create her own tulpa of her son uh and and ends up dying because of it and i i read that and i was like thought that was really fascinating i actually again like uh, there's this whole chapter like the whole there's like a second prologue in the book where like the same thing happens and like police like bang down the door of this this hotel room and like there's this this you know desiccated corpse of maddie (laughs) and it's like you know she's there and it's like well if she's been in here for so long like who made the phone call and like you know um so yeah like that was olivia mabel and like it it it, like when i pitched it and now we're in spoiler territory so we can talk freely about it like Mm -hmm. i pitched it as like like a sham psychic like can reconnects with someone and who's has a missing child and through the the kind of sheer force of the two of these people connecting, they create a tulpa, and that was the that was the original pitch of the book. Like that 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 this tulpa is going to be a thing that he couldn't do it on his own. That he needed the kind of structure and guidance of someone else who was also kind of in an emotional place that that needed something like this. And the two of them coming together is what actually manifests the tulpa. Um, that like you couldn't, not one of them could do it alone, but that they needed each other to do it. And they, they like have this new tulpa baby. Um, but in the revising of it, it just became like that tulpa baby, which started off as like, you know, in, in kind of speaking about tulpa mancy, they're usually like, they're like ghosts. They're like, you know, whether they're real or physical, like they're like either blobby, bodies or you know transparent translucent like you know like something's off yeah yeah um but i mine just kept kind of going weirder and weirder and like became a <laughs> crab, crab when did baby. the crabs become involved crab baby <laughs> when did the crabs come involved like it was so wild because like like there's that line he's a peeler and for yeah. the longest time that line was he's a tulpa and there was like a lot of tulpa talk in the book. <laughs> and and at a certain point it was just like, oh man, like I I really got 
I don't know if it was like I got scared or nervous, but I was like, I just want every mention of Tulpa out of the book. Like, I just want to get rid of it all. And my editor was like, uh, maybe keep one. And I was like, no, we got to get rid of it all. It's just like, just one, just one. And, uh, give me one. And so I was like, fine. But that line, he's a peeler, when it was like, it was like, I can't say he's a Tulpa. What is he going to, what am I going to say? And I was like, he's a peeler. And it was like that, like, honestly, that was the biggest epiphany of the whole book. Because like that moment was the moment where I was like, oh, this is what the book is about. And like, from that moment on, it was like crabs, 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 crabs. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, but it was like that organic kind of like, cause Henry was always a crabber. Like that was his thing. Um, and it was just like all of a sudden, what else would this child be? You know, because it's never going to be the like, the 100% like pure composite of like your, missing child it's going to be this mm-hmm. muddied murkied photocopy of a photocopy of a photocopy and it's just going to be all of the shit that you've been and dealt with and your trauma and your like heart like it's all going to become this thing and you 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 know if he was an accountant maybe his child would have been a calculator baby but like <laughs> like it's like he it's it's just that's what he was who he is yeah I I just have never quite read uh, descriptions of a of a human in a crab. I the, just the way that you describe this creature is so unnerving. Yeah, it's very slimy <laughs> and slippery, and I, I just think like. Uh, the 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 wetness of it <laughs> is like very disturbing and i i think it's kind of disturbing because like in a way i i feel like every single description of him is like oh he looks a little bit different this time it's <laughs> growing and changing like you can't really nail that like yeah. oh he has these scratches on the back and they're like well now the scratches look like a fish and like yeah. it's just that's like more unsettling where you're like you can never quite nail down like what this guy is yeah yeah man i tell you like i i i really i love skylar like this this little baby this little child that is like the sum of all of these parts and none of those parts are ever going to be it's never going to be just one thing and uh I don't know, like, I, it's very rare to even be able to talk about this with anybody because there's always this, like, ooh, we don't want to spoil it, but, like, it's, it is, like, like, Skylar to me is just a product of, you know, heartbroken people and, like, you know, it, and, and so much of what goes into that, the, the, the kind of horror of it is that it's, like, he's just, like, a little misunderstood kid and, um, you just need some good parenting, proper parenting. Someone, someone to love him, and all of his yeah. sliminess. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like this sort of, like the, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Just like the journey that Maddie goes on from being like, "What the hell is this thing? It's touching yeah. me. I don't like it." 
to being like, this is my baby and I will protect it and <laughs> yeah. nothing else matters. To the, to the point that she just kind of gives up yeah. the rest of her life. Yeah. Including her actual daughter. I mean, she, she might do some fortune telling here and there just to like support the baby. Yeah. <laughs> to support baby Skyler. <laughs> Wink. Yeah. I mean, like, <clears throat> I, 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 I feel like it's a big leap for, I, I, I've sensed that it is a big leap for some folks of like, how, how could anyone throw away their life and kind of like take on this other life to parent this thing that is horrific and monstrous when in fact she has a daughter of her own? Like, how could she do that? How could, I get it. I mean, like, I, the hope or the intent behind it is that like, you know, that life, the life that she has, that she's been trying to hold on to is ending. It's closing up around her. And the love of her daughter for her daughter is not gonna, for Kendra is not going away. But there is a, I think she has a moment where she's acknowledging that, that life that, 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 that her, her kind of ability to, to love and be loved and, and be needed and like, you know, like she finds this, this kind of opportunity, this like new life, this new kind of family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think like nature and nurture is a really interesting kind of topic and like, you know, what, what, you know, this book could easily have been called what kind of parent, um, you know, because it's not just about mothering, it's about fathering as well. But like, I do think that like, uh, there, the, the, this idea of can I love something that is not my child? Where in fact, Skylar is just as much Maddie's child as it is Henry's. It's that they've created this thing that is taking all of their love and past lives and like everything that like, who they are today goes into Skylar in a way that it's like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, that is her child, you know, that mm-hmm. she's, that, you know, 50% of it is like, you know, it's, it's, it, or if not more, like, you know, yeah, I, I, I feel like it's, it's just, I don't know what my, my ultimate kind of answer is here. So I'm kind of getting a little mealy mouth, but like that idea, like, you know, she's choosing, Skylar because Skylar actually needs her needs her mm-hmm. specifically mm-hmm. you know yeah. no like you know that and that's the thing with Tulpa Mancy where it's like you know you create this entity and you can kind of I stop I'm going to stop thinking about you you don't exist you have no like I am letting I am cutting ties with you and then you disappear um there's also this theory that like you know at a certain point the Tulpa can like achieve autonomy over its creators, its thinkers. Um, if, if it reaches a point of maturity and, uh, that's, that's what parenting is like too. You know, your kids are no longer going to need you at some point and they're just going to leave the nest and you're going to be at home alone. It's going to really suck. Um, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> and I also imagine like, go, like having an experience like that in general, like even if she did decide like, I, I'm not going to do this. I want to go back to my normal life. Like, you're you're never going to be the same because you've witnessed a crab mm-hmm. child. 
Like, how do you just go back to, like, normal everyday life after knowing that something like this exists and is possible and, like, you can't talk to anybody about it? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I... So yeah, I I get why she did it. Um but I and I I appreciate the emotional journey that she goes on because it's like a you know, it, I always get I I often am frustrated in stories when someone accepts something too quickly as like, well, this is how it is now. Mm-hmm. But she spends quite a while being like, what is happening and then trying to figure yeah. out like mm-hmm. I'm going to figure out how to get this kid away cuz also at first you're like Oh, he's just... We gotta take him to the hospital. Well, and, like, her assumption, which is, you know, something that you would assume in this situation, is that he has kidnapped someone else's child and been hiding him and is tr- yeah. has convinced himself of this, you know, conspiracy or whatever. And she's like, I have to get him away from Henry. But, like, at, in the moments when she's, you know, waiting for Henry to be, you know out of the picture so that she can effectively steal away, she starts to realize that, like, something really fucking weird is going on with Skylar. And it makes sense. Uh, He likes to feed on worms. Yeah, that um, grub moment is really... (laughs) That was a big uh, what-the-fuck moment for me. Also, yeah, him, his whole skin coming off and then him eating his own uh, shedded... Mm, Yep. <laughs> what do you want him to do? He's a growing boy. He's a growing boy. That's what crabs are amazing, man. They just eat their own skins. How much That's- crab research did you do? Well, I mean, I I crab. My family crabs. Like okay. that's the thing. Like we're crabbers. We're not commercial. Lifetime of crab research, in other words. <laughs> are you a peeler <laughs> yourself? Oh god. You know, it's so funny, like my my narrative of my life is that like for my, until I was 18 every year kind of on my birthday, you know, I would have to sit in a crab pot. My parents would like, my family would like put me in a crab pot on the stove and they would like take a picture like please in the crab pot again. And like every year until I was 18, they're like, like it would just be like, you could could see me be like, I was a baby in the crab pot. And then I was like, not I'm going to need you to share like a, a photo, whichever is your favorite crab pot photo, so oh that we God. can share it on social media. <laughs> if that's, I mean, I'm imagining this started when you were a baby and they were like, it's cute, yeah. right? Like, babies in the crab pot. And then By 13, it discontinued. It's like, uh, Was it really sad, though, when you turned 19 and realized that you weren't going to get a crab pot picture that year? I, you know, my parents, my family was like, you know, it's, it's not too late. We can still do it. And I was like, nope. nope. I mean, it's not. You could do it. For your next birthday, oh, do a crab pot pic. And then I, I have kids now, and they were like, oh, we could do it for your kids. And I was like, no, never. Like, you're not putting my kids in the crab pot. Damn it. <laughs> I was like, I suffered through that trauma enough as a kid. We're not doing it to them. Oh, my God. But yeah, crabbing was like, that was like, I, you know, I, I, I did... I, I had to kind of dig up some some details, but it was it's just phenomenal. Like peelers, like soft shells, like delicious, delectable, like the best. And then you like read about it, and you're like disgusting, it's grotesque. Like you know, they're just ripping off their skins and like mm-hmm. eating it. And like there's like that's the time when like if you're not if you don't get them when they're in their soft shell state, like other crabs will eat them. They're just like cannibals, and they're like I mean crabs are just bugs underwater bugs and like 
yeah. we're still eating them and they're yummy 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 um and <laughs> not me yeah, emily's a i don't eat meat for this reason for this they're reason pretty, they're pretty gnarly I think, creatures i think most animals if you stop to think about it are gross to eat <laughs> which is why i don't eat them <laughs> it's also why i don't eat mushrooms because if you stop to think about it that's also gross and i love what are you eating and what mushrooms. Is- <laughs> she won't eat onions either I, I think we've established like I get grossed out by a lot of food very easily and Kelly is the opposite. Yeah, there's almost nothing that I won't eat. So I'll try anything <laughs> once also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm writing my next book. What can I put in it that you won't want to eat next year? Like what's the like can we I'll take requests. What's something that I like eating <laughs> that you could mess up for me? Uh, pizza maybe? Pizza. Oh my god. Tofu. Do a pizza horror book? Oh my book? god. Okay. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll have the Please have me back one more time at least so that we can have a conversation about <laughs> pizza horror. About You're pizza horror. you will be Literally coming back as long as you continue to write or as long as we continue to do the podcast. So Just whoever dies this first. moment this is the moment. Pizza. Pizza. Yeah. It's going to ruin pizza for me. Yep. I can think of some ways pizza could be gross. Yeah. Done. I mean, if you stop and think about it, cheese is really gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't think about I it. Just stop. I, I'm just not. Stop I don't. Think. I'm fine. It, I can think about it all I want. And I'm still like, I, I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. The only yeah. I'm only really grossed out by like, you know actual things that you aren't supposed to eat <laughs> but who decides who decides what you're supposed to eat kelly that's the thing who decided that cheese was something that should be eaten someone who tasted it for the first time and realized it was good <laughs> but someone you know was i like, always think about like who but- <laughs> like how did someone realize that like certain things like how did someone realize oh if i like peel open a banana there's something in here like so many weird discoveries that like humans made um, over time. I'm sure that is also partial, partially evolution and monkeys and stuff like that. But like just grabbing random shit and being like, "Can I eat this?" and then either dying yeah. or being like, "That was like, good." Oh, this cheese is moldy. Let me try it. And like especially mushrooms because so many of them are poisonous. That's a lot of trial and error. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this one made me hallucinate dead people. Let me not do that one again. Like, yeah. Anyway, we're going way off track here. <laughs> hey, what do you like on your pizza? Mushrooms, huh? Yeah, do a mushroom and onion pizza. Um. Gross. Crab Gross. meat on the yeah. pizza. The one thing I really mm. do, well, I've never really tried them, but something about raw oysters does gross me out, I will say. Yeah. Um, yeah. The texture. It's the oh mucus. This book, this book did not help with that either. I know. Well, <laughs> and this comes back to the ectoplasm <laughs> of it all. Yeah. Um, something about a mucusy anything, <laughs> I yeah. don't want. I'm not yeah. interested. You know, who, too close who to saw human that and said, excretion. I feel like I should eat this raw <laughs> and it's going to be good. Like, who decided that? People love them. So. I know. I know, but somebody discovered that it was good raw, even though it looks disgusting. I know. Like, someone was like, yes. Anyway. And someone decided. This is relevant to the book, because they are in the book. Yeah. I'm going to eat that that mucus in a shell. Yeah. I'm going to eat that. That sounds really good. Slimy. I'm not going to cook it. I'm just going to eat it raw. (laughs) Squirt some lemon on it. 
Good to go. Maybe you'll get attacked by a crab while you're eating it. Who can say? Who can say? I, this isn't a question, but I will just say, (laughs) as I was reading what kind of mother, to me, like, the horror of it or the, the unsettlingness of it shifted so dramatically. Like I was going from being really nervous about what happened to this kid. Like what is going on with this? It all seems very suspicious. There's stuff that's not adding up to now there's almost like a, like a monster element. Mm -hmm. And that was, I don't know. It was exciting to me and I really enjoyed it. Like I said, not a question, but I think, like, it is a dramatic shift, but it makes sense. Yeah. And I do think it was a good call to remove all of the Tulpa mentions. Because I think we just need, like, that one, you know? Yeah. Thank you. I. It's such a weird book. And I, I you know, it's finding its way out there right now. So, like, it's been, mm. it's, I think it's been out there for a month now. And, like... You know, I'm I'm kind of weathering those those responses of just like, you know, it's it's a it's a weird ride, and you know, mm-hmm. I I don't know if it's any weirder than some of the other things I've written, but it like I I don't know, like for some reason, like it's 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 been interesting to see how people kind of either embrace it or reject it. Like I reject mm-hmm. this, like. I was on for the first half. I'm off for the second half. And it's like this weird binary. And I, I don't know if I was prepared for that. I didn't kind of assume I didn't, I wasn't like, uh, here we go guys. You know, but it was, uh, um, it's just been really interesting to see how people, um, are either willing or unwilling to go, go for it. So anyone who does, who is willing to go for it, I'm like, thank you. Thank you for going for the ride. Um, and if it, if it, if they don't, I, it's like, my hope is that it's like, okay, well, this, this ride's not for you. You know, there are other rides, but, uh, it is, it's just funny how, like, it is, there's a moment, there's a line and people are either going to cross it or they're not. Yeah. Is there a, like, reaction that people have had that is especially surprising to you? Um, I don't know. Well, I mean, the most gratifying thing, and this, this has, like, been, I, I, I'm cheeky about it. And we, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but, like, you know, people have been really, it's been fun. It, I think someone's did it a few, like there are a few people who did it and then it just became like a thing for a few small people to start doing it too. But like, everyone's kind of like WTFing it. Like they're, <laughs> like they're having their kind of WTF moments and it's like, I'm on this page, WTF. And like, <laughs> that's really endearing. That is like the sweet, it's like the best feeling because it's kind of like whether, whether they're just doing it because they saw other people doing it, which, I mean, like, it just feels like, like, that to me is just so cool. Because it's like, oh, like, this is, like, I had not, it wasn't like, uh, just wait till you get to page 200. Like, this is when, you know, um, I just did, I, I just wasn't thinking like that. Um, now I'm thinking we should try to, like, start a book talk trend where we, like, get people to, like, talk about this book and, like, not give anything away, but be like, What's the moment where you felt the most WTF? For me, it was page, blah, blah, blah. And everyone just say, like, my page was page. I feel like the big 
change is around like 100 or something like that. So page 115, WTF or something yeah. like that. Yeah. That's how we're going to get this book <laughs> to, the, to the right readers, I think, if we're like... I'm, I'm trying to help you promote your own yeah. marketing. No, I need all the help I can get. Yeah, my, my WTF moment was him eating the, like, blood worms in the aisle of the yeah. store. And they're just being, like, little grubs all over the ground. And... With, the, with the worms in between his yes, teeth? Yes, that was the moment Which... when I was like, uh, WTF. I don't, like, also, like, when he, like, just perches on top of um, Henry's chest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a like little crab legs. That's like that's like such a like sweet little moment too. That's like, just like <laughs> daddy. Yeah, but it's very like animalistic. You think of like a a pet doing that. Maybe not a right. child. I don't know. I'm also yeah, now totally. fantasizing about the the trailer for the movie that would start out as though it was like a Nicholas Sparks movie, and then it like takes a turn yeah. halfway through the trailer. Um, God. <laughs> Well, Kelly, I know you don't like the trailer for Barbarian, but I think this this movie could do like a really great Barbarian treatment where we just have the setup and then we don't find out about the monster until you go see the movie. Yeah. Which I think would be really great. There uh, just has to be some so. kind of um hint at something strange. Although, you know, and I've been I've thought about the Barbarian thing, and I think my other problem is that is maybe the title of the movie. Um it's just not. Dude, the title was the hint. It's not evocative. <laughs> that's that's another one. We were talking about what Josiah saw, and we didn't mention Barbarian, which is a three act. Oh yeah, like, it three is part kind of narrative. Yeah, yeah. Dog. For the I record, love I loved Barbarian. So I just like I wouldn't. We, if, we just argued about whether the trailer was effective or not. For me, it was. For her, it was. Because I saw the trailer so. and I was like, I'm not interested. And I was not going to see it. I saw the trailer and I was like, what's happening in this movie? I need to know. Like, why is it called Barbarian? That has and nothing I to do with what I saw. see the trailer. <laughs> I just went to go see it. That's maybe the best thing to do. Do we have any more questions? <laughs> we, keep, we keep getting off. I know. Do we have any more what kind of mother questions? Or can I ask about your next project? If you have anything pizza to Pizza horror. Pizza horror. You just said. Yeah. Horror. It is called Pizza Monster. <laughs> It's a horror version of um, what's that uh, Mystic Pizza? Oh God! <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I've actually been to Mystic Pizza a couple times now recently, and like, there's such an amazing like Mystic Connecticut, and mm-hmm. like, just you have to like, do people even remember Mystic Pizza at this point? Like, that's such a that yeah. is a very niche. Well, now you got to write the horror version of that. All of this is to say, Clay, what are you working on right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get us back on track. I am working on a new book. And, you know, it's so funny because, like, where I was last year with this, with what kind of mother, I think I was in a low place. Like, I think mm-hmm. I was in a, like, kind of depressed place. Because I, I was, like, really nervous about the book. And I there's a certain kind of element of controlled chaos or maybe uncontrolled chaos with writing these books and just the kind of like the the pace and the process and the the kind of opportunity to kind of get a book out there, um, which I feel really, really fortunate about. Um, And I hope to God I can keep doing it because it's just, it's, this is the happiest I'll ever be. Even when I'm at my saddest and like most (laughs) depressed, like in the process, like it's still like, this is what I, I love. This is like, 
this is what I love to do and I hope I can just keep doing it. But, uh, where I am right now with it is that I'm just waiting for a second round of notes from my editor. And like, I feel like there's just this, like, there's just, I just don't know. Like, 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 like it could, it could just go, it could collapse. And like, I think like that tension point is like the thing that keeps the stuff good. Like, it's like, it's like, it has to like either utterly collapse in of itself. Like it, like some kind of like dark star, or like some like kind of like black hole or something like it either just like folds in on itself because it's just like, it just won't make it or it will go. It'll make it like, it'll be the thing it needs to be. Um, but right now it's that moment of like, like, what's it going to do? What's it going to be? And like, so much of that is kind of like contingent on like my editor being like, okay, we can work with this. Like this is, there's something here. Um, so, but it is, I, I think the thing I can say about it is that it is a demonic possession. Um, we love that. I'm in. Um, that love those. Yeah. I think it is. I think it's that. That's what it is. <laughs> that's what it's beginning that's what as. It starts, yeah. That's the thing. Will like, there be a demonic possession of pizza? Maybe. 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 You don't know what's going to happen to that pizza. Maybe. Don't eat the pizza. We also had a, that pizza's been. That we had a conversation. Cat, just meow. Uh, we had a conversation about pizza in our How's the Devil episode. Do you guys remember yeah. that? Well, when yes. you were with us, yeah, Greta yeah, Gerwig yeah, is yeah. the best pizza eating actress there ever was. Yeah, because she made she it is look such gross. a natural pizza eater. <laughs> but <laughs> that sounds really exciting. I was convinced. We definitely are going to have you back for that, even if it's not even about demonic possession at all. We'll see what yeah. happens. Or about pizza. Yeah. Yeah. We'll still, just those are the days you'll know those moments now, and you'll be like, "Oh wait, what happened to the pizza?" And you're like, "Ooh, that got cut." And like, "Oh, what about the dem- demon?" And I'm like, oh, "It's Perfect. a rom com now. It's a fish baby now. It's a fish, fish baby, baby now. now. <laughs> it's a pizza baby." <laughs> We've got some quick end of the episode stuff to go through um and then yeah we'll be really quick um we don't have any listener feedback from uh the movie that we talked about or no this show we talked about what we do in the shadows and nobody sent us any feedback on that however we got some feedback on a blog post um a pretty old blog post at this point uh from emily mary and was it todd and samantha it was a four person yeah blog post Mm -hmm. about Skinamarink where the general consensus was no except for Samantha who kind of liked it. Um, She said she had been Skinamarink pilled. pilled. But um, this person commented on our blog by the name Isaac Orange. Does anyone want to read this? Um, Isaac Orange says I enjoyed your review on Skinamarink. It made me laugh especially in how all of you missed the point of the movie only touching on the psychological effects of separation of parents to a child in a singular paragraph, and instead describing how the analog was boring and pretentious for two pages. 
Well, it seems like we did touch on that then. We just didn't care. Um, also, because it was boring. I, I just, I, I have to, you know, I won't come for your grammar unless you're trying to insult me, at which point I will come for your grammar. I didn't even write this blog post, but this person spelled psychological with two A's and separation. That's fine. That could be a typo With now. an E. Come on. S-E-P-E-R-A-T-I-O-N. I don't, I don't care about stuff like that. I guess, to me, Skinnamarink it for me exists in an interesting place where I did not enjoy it at all while I was watching it, but afterwards I could not stop thinking about it and talked about it for weeks. Where um, did it go? Where did it go? We can't do this. That's the movie. We, we're That's not gonna movie. get. We're not gonna go into Skin and Marink again. We're at two seventeen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just have to but say. I will just say. I don't like your tone, to Isaac say. Orange. I don't like your tone. Okay. Look, Isaac, I just have to say, I don't know if you really did enjoy our review. Well, that's the, the tone that I'm feeling. Like okay. The tone of sarcasm <laughs> and snark. <laughs> I don't like it and I don't appreciate it. Okay, moving on. I'm not I'm not here to berate Isaac. I Thank am you for reading. If someone berates, it's so funny because Kelly is the one who did not write this blog and she's the angriest about it. If someone berates my friends and says that they missed the point of the movie and basically implies that they're too stupid to understand the complexities of Skinnamarink, fuck off. I will say, let me let me just say, as someone who is an asshole sometimes, um, I definitely. Isaac, I relate to you because also when people dislike things that I really love, I just think they're stupid. So I feel you. I feel you. Like when people um, insult hereditary, I'm like, no, you just have bad taste and you're dumb. But do you find and seek those people out and send them an email about how they're dumb? No, but I get the impulse, Isaac. I get the impulse. I get it. I love that you and I are just like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And Kelly's ready to go to war. (laughs) I just... The uh, the audacity. I, I'm Isaac. I appreciate your passion, and I hope you keep watching horror films because, like, we want them to continue to be made. And you know, also the blog doesn't have pages. For Two in. pages. How do you measure a page? It's just a one long. Also, Shutter. If you want maybe to he printed it out so that he could read it. Break. We're moving on. Clay is very much enjoying this. What's on the <laughs> blog? for someone else to send us an email about. I think we're going to review Imogen, obviously. We have finished reading it. Yes. We're ready. Apparently I had finished reading it so long ago and forgot that I finished. So So we're off to a great start. We're ready. I liked it. We're ready. So that will be on the blog eventually. And then next time on the podcast, Emily... Now I have to talk about this. Okay, just in time for Halloween, we will be talking about Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Canyas. And, you know, I'm very excited because I just talked to a bookseller the other day who was, like, gushing about this novel. And me playing devil's advocate was like, I don't know. It looks a little historical fiction-y. Knowing very well in my head that I was already planning on reading it, I just wanted to hear what she said. And she was like, oh, no, no, it's great. 
You're going to love it. Not that there's anything wrong with historical fiction. I was just being like, is it going to be really horror because it looks like a historical fiction novel? And she was like, no, no, it's scary. So I'm excited to read it. I have not started yet. I'm, but I'm, excited. I'm very early, but I'm intrigued. Yeah. Um, looking forward to that. And then on the episode after that, the uh, next other episode, I think we're doing Priscilla. Is that decided? Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Clay. Longest episode ever. So sorry. I think so, actually. Clay, thank you so much for being with us. Can you tell us yes. um, where we can find you on the internet? Where you the listeners. You can find me on this episode. <laughs> Book Squad Goals. <laughs> Um, That's our new theme song. Yeah, remix. Book Squad Goals. Everybody get your Book Squad Goals. Um, I, uh... Kelly, put that in the beginning of the episode. Book Squad Goals. Book Squad Goals. Everybody get your Book Squad Goals. What's your Book Squad Goals? My Book Squad Goals is I'm gonna read a Book Squad Goals. Um, I'm a... I'm on Twitter. Um, Instagram... Blue Sky Threads, TikTok, <laughs> all the new apps. I, I'm Jesus. It is. It's like yeah. Like I. It's exhausting. It's a little exhausting, and I and I feel like I'm dipping a toe in all of them and doing all of them wrong. But uh, yeah, I'm out there. I'm on the. I'm Do on the. Do you have the, the same name under all of those? Close enough. I mean, yeah. like yeah, Clay McLeod. Just look up Clay, Clay Chapman. McLeod, Chapman, we can find you. Yeah, okay. Clay. Uh, what did what Clay saw? Just Google him. <laughs> <laughs> um. You can find us at Book Squad Goals <laughs> on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Blue Sky. And you can find our website at BookSquadGoals.com, which is where our blog is, which is where you can send us mean emails or submissions about how you think we're fucking idiots. You can also leave us a rating and review on <laughs> Apple Podcasts. Um, we would really appreciate five stars. If you have not left us a rating and review and you're listening to this and you're still listening, it's been like two hours and you're still listening to this, but you haven't left us a review, I want you to look at yourself and your choices. <laughs> Isaac Orange is giving us zero stars right now. Probably. Yeah, you guys weren't so nice about the girl who gave us one star for spoiling the book at that time. Yeah, because anyway, Cause fuck her. We'll talk about um, <laughs> but I'm not allowed to be me- mean to Isaac Orange. What's that about? No, you can be mean. I just think it's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's all of our things. Oh, we have a Patreon. I forgot. I was supposed to mention that at the beginning of the episode, but. We have a Patreon. Um, for $3 a month, you can get nothing except for what you're already getting and knowing. You get pet pics. Oh, yeah, that's true. We're going to put pet we're pics send, on. We're giving, one, we're giving secret pet pictures that nobody else will get to see. Exclusive pet pictures. <laughs> Exclusive pet content. But you can also know. Literally, it's just about support. Your money goes to pay for our website. Yeah, our website, our uh, podcast sponsoring host, um, yeah, which because we pay for all that out of pocket and we don't make any money, um, except for on the ads that and we make like a nickel. So I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for listening and Clay. Thank you again. Uh, yeah, everyone, go buy what kind of mother? Book squad goals. Everybody get your book squad goals. This way we can get rid of our current yes. and outro music and just replace it with that. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I feel good about that.